Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Hey, what's up, church? Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Excited to continue in on our study through the book of Ephesians. And today we're going to actually get into the book of Ephesians, which will be good. Last week sort of played that joke where we didn't even talk about the book of Ephesians, but really set the context and put some framework on what we hope uh, these next several weeks will hold for us. And we talked about how in the book of Revelation, John writes and captures this, this coming from Jesus that he's writing to the Ephesian church that you, you are doing a lot of things really well. You're, you're pressing in and you, you're able to test what doctrine is sound and you're able to see what, who are false teachers. You're, you're pressing on in the midst of hard times and you're being patient in your endurance and you're pressing on towards Jesus. But he has something against the Ephesian church. And it's this idea that they're doing those things well, but they're neglecting the love they had for Jesus at first. And so just to make sure all of our hearts and all of us at, at, in every living room and every spot that you're watching this, I want all of us oriented in the same direction that this, the goal of this study, the goal of what we're doing today and for the next several weeks is so that we might just incite a deeper love and a deeper relationship with Jesus. We're not trying to just gain a bunch of knowledge through Ephesians and trying to just kind of stuff our brains full so that it all kind of terminates on us and we feel better about ourselves, but it's actually so that we would find transformations, that it's actually so that we might find a deeper well of love for Jesus as we get to know him better. And then, like I said last last week, this is going to pivot midway through. We, we kind of um, see, okay, here's who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then we're going to see how that applies to his church and how that applies to our lives and how we interact with different people. So I hope you participate. I hope you come along. Grab, grab your friends. I think one of the thoughts I'm having for this week is that I hope you're not doing this alone. Uh, maybe you're alone in your room. Maybe you're with a group of friends right now. I think the 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 law of the land, the lay of the land is beginning to change a little bit where we're allowed to be with groups of people. And so if you're able to, and if you're feeling comfortable, and if you're not in that kind of vulnerable category, and you think it's a good decision to start getting with some friends, getting with some family to watch this together, I just encourage you, don't watch this alone. Like I think the value of what this is and the experience for all of us, if we do it with some people, it becomes so much better. And I think even if you're by yourself right now and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm I'm, I'm vulnerable. I'm in the vulnerable category for this. I'm still trying to stay at home. I'm still trying to socially distance myself. You can still call somebody. Everybody's got a phone. You can get on FaceTime, you can get on Zoom, and you can, you can watch the sermon and then plan on discussing it right afterwards with somebody. I think there's a way that we can still engage even while we can't be together. We can still realize that relationships really enhance a lot of what we do as a church. It's not the reason we do church, but man, it, it it brings this all into a different level where we can press in and do things together. So wherever you're at, I pray that you would just call somebody, that you would FaceTime, Zoom somebody, that you'd watch it together, that you, would, you wouldn't be doing this totally by yourself. And so as your pastor, that's just kind of my ask for as we're developing in this season. I understand it's not like all green light, we're going, we're all going back to normal, uh, but there is some bit where we can step back into getting with people. Uh, and even if we can't yet, even if you can't yet, you can still call people, you can still FaceTime people, you can still discuss what's happening today uh, so that you're not just doing it by yourself. So um, I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. And so you can turn there in your Bible if you have them with you. I'd encourage you to kind of look at this. We're going to be 
in and out of this text for the rest of the message today. And so it'd probably be helpful for you to have it in front of you. I'm gonna be reading in the English Standard Version. If you have your phone, you can change it to that. You can read along in a different version. Sometimes that's helpful. Uh, but either way, we're gonna start Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful to Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him for the, before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Jesus, there is a lot here. There's so much that we can pull out of this text to learn about you, God. And I just pray that you would be near in this time, God. Um, I pray that wherever we're watching this, whoever we're watching it with, um, I pray that you would just be close, that you would be in it, God, that you would pull all of us into this study of you so that we might worship you better, so that we might know you better, so that we might fall deeper in love with you. Um, God, <clears throat> I pray just for our church in this really unique season, as we're all kind of spread out and scattered, God. I pray that you would encourage those who are lonely, that you would your presence would be with them, that you'd maybe give them, put people in their lives to come over and say hey from the driveway or to say hey from the street. And for people who are uh, really busy right now, parents or people who are working uh, overtime, crazy hours because of what's going on, uh, I just pray that you would, you would be their source of peace, their source of rest, God, that you would encourage them and build them up. Um, just ask that wherever people are at, that's what's so amazing is that we can pray and ask that you would meet people's needs wherever they're at and you already know those needs and you are capable of meeting all of them at the same time. So Jesus, we, we love you. We give you today. Uh, we pray all this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So um, what Paul does here is he sort of introduces this text saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So what he's going to talk about for the rest of the, all the rest of the verses here, is he's going to unpack what those spiritual blessings that are given to us by Christ are. Now, I love just to set this up on the front end here, that, that God absolutely does give us physical blessings. So Paul could have talked about physical blessings that God gives us in the introduction to this book. And he could have talked about how, you know, I think of for us, like physical blessings, they're a real thing. You talk about things like a new car, a new house, money, a job, relationships. All those things are physically very real and very needed at times. But the thing about physical blessings is they're all temporary. They're all fading and, and they're, all, they're all just very fragile. Like no matter how new your car is, 
it is a future car of a dump, like of a junkyard somewhere. No matter how, like, no matter how much money you have, um, it's, it's, you can't take it anywhere with you. Like it's all temporary, it's all finite, it's fixed. Spiritual blessings, on the other hand, where Paul chooses to put his focus are, are on things that can't be taken from you. They're things that aren't changing. They're things that last for forever. That's the beauty of spiritual blessings. And so uh, there's three big ones that we're gonna pull out of this text today. Three big spiritual blessings that are in this text. Uh, each one, just if you're paying attention, has several little sub-blessings that go with it. And so you can kind of pay attention to that as we go. But a lot of this message today is just it's reaffirming things that you already have heard or that you already know. And so I, we were just having this conversation, Katie and I, um, like it feels like teachers right now are just constantly reminding us of the things that we have to do while we're schooling our kids at home. And so we had a we had a Zoom appointment set up for Harper and it was like, hey, it's at 9.30 and I got an email, Katie got an email, we got a reminder email and, and it was like, it's like, what do these teachers just think that we're gonna like forget the Zoom meeting? And and then we forgot the Zoom meeting. And so like, it's just this reality that like, we need to be reminded. Some of this stuff is very foundational. It's very fundamental, but Paul writes it in a way that says, this is what you need to be reminded of. Like we are quick to forget. We're quick to get busy going in different directions. We're quick to get doing other things and we forget the tasks that are at hand. And Paul is saying, God's reminding us that, hey, there's some of the stuff that's foundational that you just need to be reminded of. So there's there's these just stark reminders in this text, and some of them are, are they create a little bit of tension in us. And I don't know about you, I've, I've just always been drawn to scriptures that create tension. So let me give like an example. You have, you have tensions all throughout scripture. You have the reality that God um, exists as three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. None of them are the same as the other person, yet they're all God. They're all fully God, yet they're not three separate gods, they're one God. Right, so there's like, there's some tension in this doctrine of the Trinity. There's some tension in the reality that Jesus existed as a person who was fully God and fully man. There's some tension there. There's tension in the reality that God is, he is good and he is loving and he is just, and yet evil still exists in this world. Like there's, there's tension in those two realities. There's tension in the thought that, um, Okay, God predestined. You heard that word a couple times in this. Did God, is God totally sovereign? Does he choose where we spend eternity? Or is that man's choice? This free will of man and sovereignty of God feel like they are at odds with one another. And so when we read about each of them, we feel tense about it. Like even some of you probably, as I read that text, you're like, oh, like this just kind of grates against who I am. And yet it's there. And so what I, I find peace in tension because what it reminds me of is the fact that my brain in all reality is quite small. Like I lost one of my shoes this week. I can't find it anywhere. Like I haven't left the house that much. And I'm like, I can't find one of my sandals anywhere. I'm reminded that like, I'm not that smart. I, I am not in as much control as I thought I was. And God is a whole heck of a lot bigger than I am. Like God spoke, he opened his mouth and he put the whole symphony of creation. He started orchestrating it and putting it to a beat, putting it to a tempo so that it would ebb and flow and live and be beautiful. And all he did was open his mouth. It's like Isaiah says that God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. His ways are not like our ways. He is so much more profound. He's so far above that we just can't really comprehend him. And, and my soul finds a peace in that reality because it means that I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to understand anything. Faith really is not understanding everything about God. I think some people think, oh, well, I just... Like, how could you possibly understand God? I can't really believe in something I can't fully understand. Faith is not fully understanding everything there is to know about God. 
But faith is also not this blind faith where we understand nothing about God. You hear that people said that, like, I'm just going to follow the God who I think is, you know, the Bible best says it, like, I can't really understand it all. So I'm just going to decide who I think Jesus is. I'm going to have this kind of blind faith to follow Jesus. And that's not really faith either. So faith isn't knowing everything. Faith isn't knowing nothing. Faith is somewhere in the middle where we don't fully understand God, who God is, but we trust him in tension. We trust him in the fact that there, there are these realities that seem to be opposed to one another. And yet I still am going to choose to trust him choose to trust him, even though I don't fully understand him. And so the first one that God lays out here is this reality of adoption. So he says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So uh, Paul says right here, God is reminding us, God chose you. Like he, he sees you as a holy, blameless son or daughter. And like, like, I don't know how that lands on you, but like, that's the reality in which God sees you. If you've placed your, your faith and your trust in Jesus, he now sees you as a chosen, holy, blameless, beloved son or daughter. There is no love greater than the love that chooses. I've told my kids before, if I could line up all the kids in the world, if I could see all the smartest kids, all the cutest kids, all the most athletic kids, the most well-behaved kids, if you could line up every option in front of me, I would choose Harper. I would choose Harrison. I would choose Haven. Those are my kids. You can't, you can't do anything. They can't do anything to take that love away. They are my chosen son. You are God's chosen son and daughter. He's, he's chosen you. He loves you. And, and the Bible even goes on to say, it says uh, that how much a, a good father knows how to give good gifts to his kids. Like, right? Like I'm capable in my human affection for my children to love them enough to give them good gifts. And God says, and yet how much more then will your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his children? You have to embrace this reality that God loved you so much. He, pre, he Before the foundations of the earth, before you ever did anything for him, before he ever saw how much money you would have to give to him, before he ever saw the good things that you might do for him, before he ever saw the train wreck of decisions that you would leave in your past, before any of that, he looked through time and he saw you and he says, no, 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 she's mine. He's mine. They belong to me, I'm choosing them, regardless of what they've done, regardless of who they think they are, he's choosing them, he's choosing you. And the tension that this creates in us is I think we're so, we're so highly aware of the fact that we're not holy, we're not blameless. Why would God choose me? I've done all these things. I have this whole, I have this whole thing of baggage in my past. And, and what we do is we project our experience with human relationships onto our relationship with Jesus. And so maybe you had a dad one time that was like, um, you were just ne never able to please him. Like no matter what you did, it was just never enough for him. Uh, whatever, whatever you did, it was always just short of his standard. And you never really felt loved. You never really felt embraced. You have a relationship, a friendship where it just got, it just got cut off because of something you did wrong. And that person just ghosted you and they just left you. Maybe something, somebody else did something wrong and you just totally are like, that relationship's done. And so now we have these experiences where friendships, relationships are all hinging on how we act towards the other person or how the other person acts towards us. And so the tension in this is how well you're able to embrace your identity that's given to you from God, that you are a chosen son or daughter, even as you imperfectly execute that stance before him. So like on this side of heaven, you and I, we're going to continue to bumble along through this, keep making mistakes, and he is, he's going to continually have this steadfast, unwavering love for you as a son, as a daughter. 
but there's a tension in that. There's a tension in that. There's tension in the next idea here because he says, in him we have redemption. So the first, the first spiritual blessing is adoption. The second one is redemption. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will. So God's plan all along was to redeem you. Every single one of us, we've gotten ourselves in this state where we can't, we can't pay for the mistakes we've made. And so this is seen through the mystery of his will. We see it through Israel, that God chose this nation. He gave them all the systems. He gave them all the right setting so that they might love and worship him and live and extol his name like we talked about. They would be real about who they are. They would present these sacrifices. They would confess and divulge to one another, to the priests. And he gave them the right system. He gave them the right setting. He put them in the promised land. Everything was right for them to keep worshiping God. And they strayed. They fell short. And really their reality is just a picture for us to look back at and see our reality that that we could never regardless of the setting regardless of what system you put in place we are not going to make enough right decisions we're not going to choose god over time we're going to continue to choose ourselves we're going to continue to choose the things that we love and and so god says no no i'm gonna lavish my grace on you through my son's death to redeem you so, so the God of the universe, that he stepped out of heaven, put on human skin, lived this perfect, spotless, blemish-free life, and went and paid the cost. He paid the ultimate price. God was willing to say, no, 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 my life so that I can have you back. He paid our debt in full. He bought us back from the bondage of sin. He's redeemed us. He's redeemed us. That's what it means to be redeemed, to be purchased back. He said, I see that you've given yourself to the world. I see that you've given yourself over to the sin, but you are my son. You are my daughter. And so he's going to send us this gift of Jesus. And in that grace, he didn't just give us grace that he's going to uh, get us just enough grace to kind of get you through those crazy college years. He didn't give you just enough grace to get you through the tough parenting pickle you're in right now. He didn't give you just enough grace to get you through that hard time in your marriage. He's given you grace. He's lavished it upon you. Like, have you ever thought that there's nothing that you can do to add to God's grace? It's what like the whole book of Galatians is about. There's this tension that's there because I think what we want to do is we want to say, oh man, God's done this for me. And what I, I want to earn, I want to earn his affection. I want to earn his love by doing these good things for him. And what God's showing us in Galatians, what he shows us is that, man, you know what? It's not about that. There, there's nothing that you had done for me, but I gave up everything for you. And when you can embrace that reality that it was only only because of God's gracious act on the cross, spilling his blood for you, that's the only thing that redeems you. And so now the, the lens at which God sees you, the filter that he's looking at you through is through the perfect, holy, blameless filter of his son's life, of Jesus's life here on earth. And so if you notice the, uh, the first part of this intro here, Paul is writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. And I think sometimes I used to read that word and I thought, oh, so he's just kind of like writing to the pastors, the priests, kind of the, the varsity level people in Ephesus. But really that word saint, if you start to explore it, it's the, it's the title given to everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. And when you've been redeemed, you are now called a saint. That is your position before Jesus. And, and so again, there's tension there because we're so aware of the fact that we're not a saint. You maybe can think of all the mistakes you made this morning, this weekend, over this last six months, and you go, how, how am I going to read this and just call, you're just going to call me a saint? 
but we have to accept and embrace not just our adoption, that God's had an unwavering love for us to call us his son or daughter, but he's also redeemed us. He's also lavished, lavished his grace upon us so that we can embrace this new reality that we stand before him holy and blameless. So you have God's adoption. You have the spiritual blessing of God's redemption. The last one we have is the spiritual, the, the blessing of predestination. So here's where, in my experience, this, this conversation just begins to ruffle people's feathers right away. You have, you have one camp that are kind of this like, um, like, yes, he's talking about predestination. Finally, like somebody's going to preach about it. And, and, you know, you kind of have these people that, you know, maybe they, they love a certain group of theologians over here. They're, they're maybe real hyped up on John Calvin and all this stuff. And then you have another camp of people who are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's talking about this. And like I said last week, this is kind of like why I love going through books, because it's going to just pigeonhole me to have to talk about certain topics that are in the Bible. It's going to force all of us to go through certain topics that are in the Bible that are uncomfortable, that are tense, that we don't fully understand. So like, before we talk about this, I just want to like share with you I have had countless cups of coffee with close friends going like, which is it? Did God predestine people to go to heaven or to hell? Did, does God give man choice? What, like, where, where is the reality? What's the truth? And we've gone through scriptures and we've looked at different things and we've thought about it. And ultimately they're good friends. They're not the kind of friends that are just trying to Bible thump me and try and impose their beliefs on me, but we're all just exploring it together. I'd suggest you get some good friends like that, that you can talk about some of the stuff that you can be open with, but that's last week's sermon. It's not this week's sermon. The reality is, is that when you start to look at this predestination idea, you can go to a lot of different spots in scripture and you'll hear some people go to different spots in scripture where you see the reality that uh, God chose Abraham. God chose Abraham. He chose Israel. There were multiple nations that he did not choose, but he chose Israel. He chose them. He, he had determined ahead of time that he was going to choose them before he sought any obedience from them. He had chose them. Um, you, you see the reality in, in Exodus that it was God who hardened Pharaoh's heart. Like that, that doesn't sit well with us. We go, wait, wait, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You see, you see things um, happening. You see in Romans 8 and 9, this idea that God foreknew those who he predestined and those who predestined he called and those he called he justified and those he justified he glorified. That's the golden chain of redemption that's in Romans 8. And you see uh, in Romans 9 then that God makes some vessels for dishonorable use and he makes some for honorable use. And so you're maybe sitting here going like, oh my gosh, what? I thought God was all loving. How could he choose? And you're maybe getting sold that like, wait, this is, it's predestination. But then, thank goodness there's a but then, because then you come to all these scriptures where you're like, hold on, wait a second. I see Moses up on Mount Sinai the second time after Israel's created the golden calf. If you remember the story, right? He comes down with the 10 commandments and, and he comes down to only to find that Israel has already forsaken God and they've worshiped, they're worshiping a golden calf. They've made a calf, they're worshiping this calf. Moses slams the commandments down, breaks them, goes back up to get a new set, right? And, and God's up there and he's mad. And he's like, I'm going to just wipe out this whole nation. I'm done. Like, I've, I just rescued them and they're already rebelling against me. And, and Moses pleads with God. He says, God, no, don't. How could you? Like, no, what will the Egyptians think? And he starts using all these like reasons and he changes God's mind. That like, that might not be what really is happening, but it sure is what it feels like as you read it. It's like, man, Moses just plead, pleaded before the Lord. The Lord heard him. And he changed what he was going to do. You, you, read, you see Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7, ask, seek, knock. For who, whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open for you. So there, you see in uh, 2 Peter 3, chapter 9, it says that God is patient with us because he longs that none would suffer, but that all would experience everlasting life. 
John 3.16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, will have eternal life. So there's this reality that there's, there is, there's this side of predestination that exists in scripture and it's there. And we can try and do all sorts of mental gymnastics to try and tease ourselves out of the reality that it maybe is there. Or we can just come to this realization that, man, you know what? No, choice exists, sovereignty exists, and those two ideas, they aren't opposed to one another. They actually exist hand in hand. And if you think that I'm going to solve the mystery of predestination versus free will of God, Calvinism versus Arminianism, if you think I'm going to solve that today, then you're crazy. There are so many people who are so much smarter than me who have debated about this for years and years and years and years. All I'm trying to say is remind you that faith is not trusting God when you understand him fully. Faith is not trusting God when you don't understand anything about him. Faith is somewhere in the middle. Faith is trusting God in tension that these two realities can somehow exist and God, who is infinitely higher, infinitely greater than me, can understand just exactly how these things get. And personally, I kind of just look forward to when we're all in heaven someday and we just get to find out who was right. Because the reality is if you're sitting here right here, the, the, the truth in the last part of the scripture is that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you that you would uh, go according to the counsel of his will so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, believe in him. And then he's gonna seal you with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So the reality is, is that I believe if you're listening to this, if you're hearing this, if you've made this decision to follow Christ, if you've had the Holy Spirit come at times and he has, he has given you discernment or he's given you a, a correction, he's kind of given you some spots where you know you've been wrong, that means that you have been sealed with the promise that God has chosen you. He, he's picked you. He loves you. The reality of your faith is not that it didn't start with you reaching up to God. It started with him coming down out of heaven to go to the cross for you. He's the initiator. And I think you have a choice to make. We, we get, get so teased up in this topic of predestination where we go like, wait, so has God picked me for this team or for that team? But the reality is the question we should be asking is, what are you going to do with the message that's right in front of you today? What are you gonna do with this reality that you have the God of the universe inviting you into this adopting, loving relationship with you? He's offering to redeem you. He's offering to put all of the mistakes that you've had onto his son. And the only way that you can really get that credited to your account is just by having faith and believing in the things that he came to do for you. And, and that his plan for you was to reconcile you to himself, to the praise of his glory. And so like that, that phrase shows up, to the praise of his glory several times. You, you were made to glorify God. And, and, and I think a lot of times we think, oh, I'm, I'm maybe not the best Christian because I'm not, like, I wasn't the most awesome. Or I think about this, like, I've had a really rough story. Like, are you sure, like, I'm, like, God has chosen me? I would say God's most glorified through people who understand how weak they are. That God's most glorified through people who understand that they needed the most transformation from him. That is where God gets his glory. His desire for you is that you would come to him that he would seal you with his Holy Spirit. You would embrace this new identity that he gets from you. You would receive the free gift of God's grace and his redemption that he's offering to you. And you would be transformed to go out and look like him. And that you would embrace that identity and he would receive the praise due his name. He would receive the glory out in the world that he created. And so there's tension. I think of the book of Ephesians, it's, it's deep and it's profound. And, and I'm hoping in this time where we really as a church, we can't we can't scatter wide, like we can't cast a wide net. And I think the American church is getting so good at 
at uh, creating a space where a lot of people can come in, but a lot of people don't really belong. They kind of come in and they can disappear and they can engage at the, to the level that we want to engage with, but they're not really known. Church is maybe losing some of the family that it should be. And, and people don't belong. They just sort of exist and then they don't exist. But what if in this time, in like the COVID season right now that we're all in, what if God wasn't trying to cast the net so wide right now? What if he was just trying to cast, what if he was trying to take us deep? What if he was trying to just like walk us through some hard truths, be open and honest about maybe the questions we have or the struggles we have, and we realize that God isn't gonna be made lesser because of our questions. Like God is going to be found. Ask, seek, knock. He's there to be found. Talk with your friends, explore some of these ideas, explore some of these thoughts, get into it. The ultimate truth is that God has had a plan for you from before the foundation of the world. It's right here in Ephesians 1, that, that he would call you, choose you, pick you. You have a choice to make right now whether you want to accept this message or not. And so I want to end the message today just by um, inviting you maybe to consider this truth and this reality for the first time. To, like salvation in the, in the biblical narrative just looks like us surrendering our lives to God and just going, okay, I've had enough. I clearly can't do it. The, everything about my life points to this reality that like I can't follow the rules that I want to follow. I can't even do the things that I want to do. And I certainly end up doing things that I don't want to do at times. And in that need, we realize that, okay, I just need Jesus to take over. And we surrender to him. We give our life to him. And, and he meets us in that invitation. He says, look, I've already done this. I've already, I've already paid the I've provided the payments in my son. I've already, I've already invited you to be a part of this family. And so I want to pray. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And, um, and then we'll be done with this message today. I just want to invite you back to come next week. I'd love for you to just continue exploring the book of Ephesians with us all. So if you would, living rooms all around, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, and pray with me? God, we love you so much. And we are so captivated by your bigness and your awe and your majesty and your wonder that that creates in us, God. And I just pray that we wouldn't bow away or we wouldn't shy away from some of these tough subjects, but that we would actually lean in and we would and we would come to the Bible, we'd come to your truth to really just to explore who you are, God. Would who you are just fall off these pages and would it get in us and would it transform us and change us and then sustain us, God. If you, if you want to, for the maybe first time, if you want to just come to this point where you're going to go, God, I just want to surrender to you. I just want to meet you in this moment. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. If you've prayed this prayer a million times, you can pray with me again. You say, Lord, I, I, I know that I've made mistakes. I know that I've fallen short. I know that I've done these things wrong. And right now, Jesus, I'm crying out to you to help me, to intervene in my life, to take things over. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. I put my hope I put my trust in your death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus. We just pray all over, like if anyone just made that decision today, God, we just pray that you would meet them, show up right where they're at right now, that you would show up with a church family, that you'd show up with yourself, your presence. Would you just invade their space, all of us, God? I just pray that you would be near to us in this time, that you'd keep encouraging us, that you would be close to us that your Holy Spirit, our promised seal of our future inheritance, God, would your Holy Spirit continue to correct us where we need correcting, reveal to us what needs to be revealed, God, encourage us in what needs encouraging, sustain us in what we need to keep pressing on in Jesus. We love you and we trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.